Matthew eight fourteen through 22. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds the air have birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, and leave the dead to bury their own dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The ministry of Jesus is ramping up, Jennifer. Ramping up. It's uh, it's we've got the Sermon on the Mount in the rearview mirror. <laughs> we've got this leper uh, who's now making you know offerings at the temple and a centurion whose slave has been healed by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know now we have Peter's mother-in-law, uh, which is an interesting you know kind of little relationship web happening, right? Um, and then I know. we have founder of the Roman Catholic Church apparently is married. Yeah. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Okay, spicy, <laughs> spicy. I know. But she we're not going to talk about that. I, know. I like it. I like it. The first poop. Uh, anyways. Um, and then, yeah, we have this, uh, the cost of following Jesus is what the ESV kind of titles this next section, which is about, uh, you know, this, this, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus kind of has these like weird, uh, seemingly snarky offbeat <laughs> yeah. re- uh, replies to these uh would be followers. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, what's going on here? Yeah, what's going on here? Uh, and I think that's where Jennifer McClish steps in to illuminate for okay, us. Okay, yeah, yeah. let's see. Well, um, I think, again, Jesus is, all of these interactions are showing us the nature the uh, the nature of true faith. Um, and so that's helpful when we get to those two little conversations um, what actually characterizes true faith and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. But to start with this healing of um, Peter's mother-in-law, like it kind of seems like a little throwaway scene, you know, like not really, it's just kind of like almost telling you what he did that day. Mm-hmm. But again, like we just said yesterday, this is the third in a string of healings that really has a lot to do with showing how Jesus is bringing outsiders in. Like he's totally... Um, kind of upending this idea of what the kingdom of heaven is all about by stepping into this very religious world and religious in a way that people have been looking to their, um, you know, their keeping of the law and how well they keep the law and who can keep the law and who can keep the law and basically looking to a lot of outward, um, you know, behavior and not the heart as he just spent the entire Sermon on the Mount kind of trying to um, redirect them to what really matters of how you enter the kingdom of heaven. And obviously Mm -hmm. it's a heart of repentance and faith in Christ. It's completely admitting that there's nothing in you that can commend yourself to God, that it's God alone who's come to you and has done everything and that you respond by believing and you believe the words and then it, you know, it comes out and actually obeying the words. So this is where we are, but this is a, he's healing a Jewish woman. And I think this healing is interesting because he's not approached. He's not asked to heal. But this tells us something else about Jesus, that he 
will heal who he wills. Mm. And he does take initiative and he does save who he wills. Like he is, he's, he desires to heal and he desires, there's a no way a, um, like, I don't think we should see any kind of like, you know, miserliness in Jesus. Obviously he's the opposite. I mean, he's just overflowing with love. And yet he, he's not asked here. He heals this Jewish woman. But I love this one commentator that I read said, Jesus has basically torn down the wall of the court of women. Like when you think about the temple, there Mm -hmm. was like the Holy of Holies and then there's the holy place and there's all these different courts in like a a place like women could only go so far Mm -hmm. and then Gentiles could only go so far Mm -hmm. and then lepers couldn't get anywhere in. And so he's basically torn down the wall to the court of women. He's torn down the wall to the court of the Gentiles and he's letting any um, making it so that any leper can wander in to um, and as we know when he goes to the cross he's going to rip the veil and you know again this is completely upending um, what we would have thought and what uh, and what a lot of Jewish people thought that they were kind of entitled to God's salvation but it's always been by faith as reminded of never so I think that's it's actually a really cool story to think about. And it also, you see it in other places in the Old Testament. There's this verse, though, Psalm 147, 2. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. So Jesus really is gathering, kind of demonstrating who he's here for. Yeah. Um, and it's the outcasts, but everyone is available. It doesn't have to do with like your success or your lack of success, but it is the heart. Obviously, that brings you in. Absolutely. You know, I think we should like slow down because in the Gospels, like there's a lot of healing happening Mm -hmm. and it's easy to like not question like why it's going on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we need to like consider like what's the like significance? What's the meaning? Um, We know that Jesus entered into the world. He He was born of a virgin. He, you know, entered as like this weak, meek baby. And uh, ultimately came to like suffer and die on a cross. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we like slow down and think about it, it's like, did he have to do all these healings or mm-hmm. was he just like, was it like he's having fun before like the hard part, you know, like, is this <laughs> right. just like just kind of showboating? Right. Yeah, and, like, no, look what I can do. Yeah, yeah exactly. No. Just like doing kickflips and like, <laughs> like impressing people before mm-hmm. he has to go to the cross mm-hmm. or was there actually something going on? And I think there's there's two very important things that are happening that are in uh, tangent with one another uh, or tangential to one another um, in all these healings. So one is that Jesus is fulfilling prophecy yes. as he's healing. Uh, and Matthew underlines that in today's reading. Uh, he quotes Isaiah 53, mm-hmm. that famous, he took our illness and bore our diseases. Um you know, the, the man of sorrows yeah. passage that is very famous, especially around Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like what Jesus, like these miracles that he's performing are very inextricably linked to Old Testament prophecy right. or to like other miracles performed in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so he's uh, he's proving himself as the fulfillment of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So that's a very important point. And then the second thing, which is like to take it a step further, is he's demonstrating the gospel, which I think is like exactly what you're hitting at. Like yeah. he he's he's not just coming to like make a way of salvation mm-hmm. by dying on a cross, but he has this very profound ministry where he 
is showing through these healings, these resurrections, the water into wine, mm-hmm. all these things that he's doing, exactly what the cross means. Yes. And, you know, it means that cleanness goes out from him. No one contaminates the son of God, but right. he purifies the sons of men. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it uh, no one is excluded based off of their ethnicity. No one is excluded based off of their gender. Nobody is excluded based off the condition that they come to Jesus in. Right. It's like these incredibly profound truths of the gospel that Jesus is demonstrating as he's healing people, yes. as he's resurrecting people. I know, and I think it's so interesting that, you know, disease, um, sickness, lame, all of these terrible things that these people have been living with are the fruit of the fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, that actually is because of sin. I mean, it may not have been like a one-to-one, like their own sin, but it is, we experience this kind of suffering in this world because of sin. And so it's like he's reversing that. Like there, there was this first great break of a heart fallen, and then it resulted in like these the suffering in their bodies. And now he's reversing the suffering in the bodies, but always pointing to the greater, um, you know, issue is the disease of the heart. That mm. it's the sin that we've been infected with. So I like that idea of like reversing or whatever. And there's a, um, I think it was, uh, I have a quote from Blaise Pascal. He made the observation that all of these sick bodies in Matthew are p- telling us that our sin, our state of sin is actually so comprehensive. I mean, again, mm. we cannot imagine what our true, like how dire our situation is. But like, you know, the lameness, it's like sin, it um, paralyzes you. Sin blinds you. Sin mm. deafens you. It deceives you. It um, you know, it just, it causes separation and all these things that all of this actual physical um, suffering in these people is manifesting in their life, but pointing to like this greater spiritual reality. So I think that's kind of shows us the comprehensive of nature of the sin sick soul. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Jesus is doing these physical healings to point us to this um, result of what the gospel really means that our sin sick souls can be made whole. Absolutely. And you know, there, there's a, there's a pretty important moment when the Pharisees, uh, they, they accuse Jesus of, they say that he's able to cast out demons because he is a demon or he's the prince of demons. Mm. They accuse him of being Beelzebul. And, you know, he has this uh, famous statement that a house divided against itself cannot Can't stand. stand. Yeah. But then there's this really, really powerful little metaphor that he weaves in. I've talked about it a few times on ODR. I absolutely love it. But he says, no one can enter a strong man's house. This is in Mark 3, a strong man's house, and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. So what Jesus is saying is like, I, I'm here, you know, the strong man being the prince of darkness, being the devil. Mm-hmm. And... Jesus is here to rob his house, you know, to to <laughs> rob people back to his kingdom. Right. And that is like another one of these angles that's being worked out through these healings is Jesus is demonstrating his power over right. his enemies. That's right. It's no. like, it's, that's cold blooded. I that's know. Cool. And I, <laughs> he's going to get, he's going to crank it up in the next uh, exactly. reading where he's like casting out demons. So this is, uh, oh, yeah. that's a great setup. But yeah. before we go there, I should yes. say, we got to talk about these two guys that to. came up. We have because to. 
I think, again, Jesus is telling us, so, I mean, he's showing us what the kingdom of heaven is really about, like what this gift to us can and will do. Mm-hmm. But how, do, again, do we respond? Like, what does true faith look like? And so this first story of the the scribe coming and saying, you know, I'll follow you anywhere. Obviously, Jesus sees something in his heart. Like, there's something in his response. One thing is he says, teacher. So mm-hmm. unlike the faith of the leper and the um, centurion that we saw before, where they immediately come out of the gate recognizing Jesus mm-hmm. as Lord and his authority, this is... Um, I read one commentator said that like anyone who uh, addresses Jesus as teacher or rabbi is um, usually turns out to be an unbeliever <laughs> in his gospel. So that yeah. kind of gives us a, a hint of where this man's heart is. But it's also kind of the idea of him saying, I will follow you. The fact that Jesus points to the, you know, that there's no home, there's not going to be any comfort for this man. And it's not like a place that this man, he's saying, you're actually coming to me. Like I don't have a home um, but you, if you come with me, you won't have a home except for I will be your home. So mm-hmm. it's like, a, you know, a, pointing to the man to the true cost of discipleship. And he kind of seems like a little bit oblivious and proud um, and oblivious to the cost. And so this is what this conversation is about, kind of like correcting him and saying, this is what it actually means. Mm-hmm. This isn't like you... Um, you know, helping me usher in the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. <laughs> which almost is kind of like, I think what the guy is saying, like, I, oh, I'll come with you. I'll, I'll be a part of this. I'll, I'll help you. Yeah. Um, and Jesus is like, no, first of all, he refers to himself as the son of man, which is a reference to Daniel seven, mm-hmm. this king who is going to inherit the entire earth. So Jesus sets him straight right there. Like, yeah. oh, I'm not just the teacher. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm the son of man. Yeah. And if you come with me, like, there's a cost. Yeah. And I think absolutely. we're kind of like left to assume that he wasn't willing to pay that. Yeah. We don't know, but absolutely. And then there's this there's this real interesting one where it seems so callous. You know, this right. man says I know, no. Can I you know, the way that like we tend to read this in our western minds is this like, you know, grief-stricken disciple comes up and like, can I go bury my dad first? His funeral's tomorrow. And you're like, Jesus says, no, like, <laughs> leave the dead to bury their dad. Exactly. Um, and that seems out of character with this, like, meek, kind Jesus that we've gotten to know so far. Right. So what are your thoughts on what's, like, what's going on here? Well, I think one is to realize that, I guess, Jewish law said that, like, they had to bury their dead the day they died. Mm. So... Um, most commentators assume like this man is not dead yet. This is not like his father uh-huh. died and he's literally trying to schedule the funeral and was like, yeah. just wait for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this means the because if the father were dead, then he would have had to have been buried on that same day. Mm-hmm. So um, some say it's a it, it's like a idiom of the time to be like um, to say I'm gonna bury my father. It's like I'm gonna stay. I'm I'm hanging out and working and kind of like building a life until. Um, you know, my dad is gone or whatever, but there's no imminent death. It's mm-hmm. more of a way of saying like, I'm, you know, I'm living my life here mm-hmm. while I'm, you know, waiting to bury my dad kind of thing. So I think all of these looking at Jewish culture and law and all of that, it's assumed that this man is just, he's not recognizing the, um, that discipleship is always a present, mm. um, you know, what am I trying like obligation? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no putting it off and indefinitely until you're ready. 
until yeah. you've kind of like accomplished yeah. what you want to accomplish or or live the and, and it could be family obligations but there's no this is the thing it's like you either you're being called to follow Jesus and the only answer is yes mm-hmm. absolutely no that's a that's a great word and I think a great place to stick the landing is uh that it's not it's not out of our, our worthiness to follow and it's not out of our, our convenience. And, uh, you know, it's, it's submitting ourselves to the Lordship and, uh, that it's costly. Yeah. Um, but the reward is great. Right. And a heart recognizing the, the direness of your condition, Mm -hmm. um, and the absolute wonder of the free gift in Christ that he's accomplished all of this on your behalf and is just willingly, all you have to do is believe would make this costliness, like it would bring it into perspective. You're like, yeah. like, Oh, okay. Well that's, that's a, um, I'm still getting the, you know, the, um, the best deal out of this. Yeah. I mean, like overwhelmingly you are winning. Yeah. So um, people who don't understand are not willing to pay the cost are not grasping the great value yeah. of the gift yeah. that they are receiving in Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. Well, a great word in Matthew 8. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to just keep on pressing on. So for the great Jennifer McClish, this is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.